Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for choosing Pilot Program. We ask that you please fasten your seatbelts and put your tray tables in the upright and locked position. Enjoy your flight. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me. Let's float right. down <clears> to <throat> Peru. Oh yeah, hey, I, I need the weather. I always need the weather. I always forget to do the weather. It's very important. I wish you would actually forget to do it. No, I, I like it. I think it's a I think it's a useful part of the podcast. Um <clears throat> Good afternoon, passengers. This is your captain, Chase Kenneke, speaking. Today's date is February 2nd, 2023, Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, you're going to have to listen to this podcast every day of your life. Or, or we have to record it every day of our life. I hate that movie. Lives. I hate time What? In general. Oh, the, hurt me, the narrative I I love, you know what? Fuck the show. We're 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 talking about time loop movies. I love time loop movies. I like there, I like the idea of going back and fixing your past mistakes and then realizing ah the past mistakes maybe should have stayed that way and reconstructing things. I, but that's I, the conclusion to every single time loop movie. Yeah, I, I don't know. I kind I just dig it. I, I like Groundhog Day. I I enjoyed uh, Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the Andy Samberg one. Yep. I don't know. I, I like I like time loops. Anyway, it's 39 degrees here in uh, St. Louis. I don't know what it is in Connecticut. Where it's colder, I guess. Probably, uh, 31, yeah, it says. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog uh, Day. Did, I don't know if people did, did he wish each other happy Groundhog Days, but <laughs> it's Merry Groundhog Day. I think we all know that. Sure. Okay. Did the groundhog come out? Woke up and saw his shadow. Six more weeks of winter. Get fucked. God damn it. Anyway, um, we're here to uh, talk about uh, some in-flight entertainment. And that in-flight entertainment, I can't remember my intro. I know. I'm Uh, glad. I've just destroyed this. We watched In Living Color. Uh, We're going to talk about In Living Color. Um, That'll be very fun. But first, as we always do... um, Always, always, he says on episode five. Um, as as we always do, Pierce, our last episode was on Mash. Did you watch any more Mash? I did after we recorded. Yeah, I probably watched um, another six episodes. Okay, seven episodes. Yeah, that's a that's a solid amount of Mash. Uh, I did about double that. Uh, nice. I I really like Mash. I think it's Mash great. is great. It's yeah. just it's just a fun show to watch. Um, I, I did have some thoughts. I, Let's I wrote hear down briefly. these. I wrote down some of these thoughts. Um, I, I think we, we've seen this in pilots before. We mentioned it in Seinfeld, but some of these characters just kind of disappear after the yeah. first episode. Uh, the the one that is is probably the the weirdest to me is uh, Lieutenant Dish, uh, who is a big part of the movie Mash. We we talked about that, and she's a big part of the first episode of Mash, the TV show, and then she just is gone for like six or seven episodes and then pops up and is like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm here again. And then she's gone again. Uh, it's weird. She feels like such a main character to me as a person who watched the movie. Uh, and then to realize that, Oh no, she just kind of leaves and it's 
it's not a big deal, whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was always weird to me. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting, they kind of just drop the hot lips thing for a handful of episodes as well. Yeah, uh, they they don't don't call her hot lips, and then at some point they come back and they're like, oh yeah, hot lips again. Like where, what ha- what? Uh, and same thing with Hojon. Like Hojon is gone for a for a series of of shows. I'm like, okay, so did he go to college? That yeah, was the whole Ho-John first episode. It's like he went to college, all right? Of the shows, yeah. But then he's back again, and he's just back to doing what he did before. I, I don't know. Uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, they didn't care so much about telling a uh, cohesive story that built on itself from week to week. It's it's all about getting back to the status quo for these sitcoms of that era. So it's fine. It's I fine. think. I think more of that happens in the Alan Alda era, that second. Uh, sure, sure. Time, when it gets that a second more age, <laughs> the second yes. age of Mash. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and also, I'm still, I'm still baffled by the the money. <laughs> there's a there's an episode where uh, they they need like uh, or a shipment of medicine got stolen, and I, it's the second episode. It's the second. Both episodes are about oh hey we need know, a sum of yeah. money to get a thing. Uh, it's just like, man, it's your second episode and you're already kind of repeating ideas here. Uh, but they, there's like a shipment of medicine that got stolen. So they go to the black market guy and he's like, hey, we know you have the medicine. We just want to buy it back. Um, and he's like, oh, it costs ten thousand dollars. And like, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. That's five tuitions. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what the hell? I mean, um, <laughs> medicine is uh, expensive. Well, sure, I, because I of understand reasons, that. But but then they barter to to get like this new desk that um, uh, Colonel Blake has, and I'm like, wait, a minute, is is this is? I mean, I know it's a nice antique desk, but is it a ten thousand dollar desk? Is could it's you definitely go to college five times for one desk? I like the money seems fucked. <laughs> it was more affordable to go to college back in the 50s than it was <laughs> especially with the gi bill is hojan a part of the service at all probably no, not no, i don't know no. um yeah I, I it's fine it's it's all weird funny money again is is this money based on 1972 money when the when the show was made uh or is this yeah i don't know doesn't matter um it, it's still a funny and great show though i think alan alda just fucking shines every every scene he's in there's there's specifically an episode where he impersonates groucho marx and it is a fantastic impression uh and it's it's just like wow this guy is acting circles around everybody else here and it's not hard to understand when when you say yeah he kind of took over the show at one point like yeah no shit he's absolutely the star and everyone else is just kind of trying to keep up he's it's kind of funny to think all of those other people left the show early sure. because they thought they were equal to him, but they clearly <laughs> are not. They are all yeah. basking in his shadow. It's it's so it's so stark the contrast, and it's not like they're doing a bad job. He's just Alan Alda, and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, I have no cool. idea why there is repeated drag racing happening outside my house, but I apologize if you can. I'm sure it's picking uh, all of this up. Uh, I'm not picking it up on my end, but okay, I mean, you're recording locally, so who knows? We'll see. Um, let's let's move into our show for for today. We're talking about In Living Color. Um, this is a show that first aired April fifteenth, nineteen ninety, 
on Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was created by Keenan Ivory Wayans and Damon Wayans, them of the Wayans family, mm-hmm. the famous Wayans Not family. Not yet, brothers. Yeah, well, Keenan's the brothers not... existed, but not as a. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, they the, the artists not quite known as the Wayan brothers. Yes. Uh, Keenan's not a Wayan brother. I mean, he is a Wayan brother, but He's he is Wayan. not a quote unquote Wayan brother, right? Correct. Yeah. I, who 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 are the the Wayans? Is it I, is isn't Damon, it Damon and Marlon? Yes. Yeah. Mary, when I uh, think yeah, of Marla, like Marla, the Wayan brothers, yeah. those are the yes, two correct. I think of. Yes. I, like I know so we'll we'll talk about this more. Of the as two we go white on. girls fame. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um we'll talk about this more going on, but Keenan Ivory Wayans is uh despite being like the brother to all of these other Wayans, he's not the father. He does still feel like the patriarch, at least of the Hollywood Wayans, in that he was kind of the first to break in and then said, hey, why don't you guys all come in, too, and we're going to take over Hollywood ourselves. And uh, they kind of did. Uh, so good good on them. Um, the show stars a <laughs> a number of people here. First and foremost, Keenan Ivory Wayans. Uh, he was, uh, you might know him as the director, writer, and star of Jack Spade. <laughs> he was the star Jack Spade in the 1988 movie, I'm going to get you sucker. Have you seen I'm going to get you sucker Pierce? I have not. I have not either, uh, but it feels like a pretty seminal piece of, of media, especially when it comes to in living color. Cause it has uh, a lot of these people also in that. And I, and I think that's kind of what uh, at least Fox went like, Oh, Hey, maybe we should make a show with this guy. He seems like he's on uh, the rise. And I, I think that was probably the, the thing that really got this show made. It's uh, kind of fucked that you said these people already in this episode. Damn it, Pierce. <laughs> we're, we're, try, we're trying. Um, <laughs> I think I, the only thing I know about I'm going to get you, sucker is it's a spoof off of Blaxploitation. Like sure. in the 70s, right? I, I believe that is. It's the a case. comedy movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, he also directed, wrote, and starred... Uh, in uh, A Lowdown Dirty Shame, which is a 1994 film. He co-starred as Detective Jim Campbell alongside alongside Steven Seagal in the 1996 movie The Glimmer Man. Brian Cox also in that movie. Mm -hmm. Brian Cox of uh, succession fame, of (laughs) McDonald's commercial (laughs) da-da-da-da-da, I'm loving it fame. That Brian Cox. Wait, what does Brian Cox have to do with the McDonald's commercial? He does the voiceover for a lot of the McDonald's oh. stuff. Yeah. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Because it's like, on one hand, he's telling Kendall to fuck off. And then on the other hand, he's like, oh, da-da-da-da-da, eat your chicken chicken strips. Oh, huh. <laughs> Whatever. They're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, and then he was also the uh, director, not Brian Cox, Keenan Ivory Wayans, <laughs> the director of Scary Movie, Scary Movie 2, White Chicks, and oh, Little Man. Just... Gotcha. It's just white chicks. It's not two white chicks. Well, yes. I I think you said two white girls, (laughs) which is even further further incorrect. But I I let you off the hook, and then you had to tell me I said those people or whatever. And and really, I just want to point out microaggressions to stop them from the future. (laughs) And I mean that genuinely. I I appreciate I appreciate the um, the vigilance there. (laughs) 
It's noted. Uh, he was also a writer on The Last OG, which is the, the Tracy Morgan show. And uh, he also starred uh, a late night talk show called The Keenan Ivy Wayne Show. I don't think that show mattered all that much or was very popular. But Pierce, I'm going to tell you, if we ever have somebody who had a show that was named after their name, I am going to mention it on their cat on their credits list because I think that's great. I would yeah. love to have a show called The Chase Kennedy Show. In fact, we should just rename Pilot Program. <laughs> I don't care enough, so the, sure. The Chase Kennedy <laughs> show with Pierce Corshane. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, also, this uh, this show starred some guy named James Carey. You know anything about James Carey? No, name, the name sounds familiar, but... What if, I, what if I told you he also went by the name of Jim Carey? Oh. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think I know who he is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I need to like, list. Don't, all don't of read Jim his filmography. Let's move on. Uh, uh, everyone knows who he, Jim you know, Carey is. It is, the, it is fascinating he's Ace to Ventura see him. guy. Yes. It's fascinating what, to see him in this. What's your favorite Jim Carey uh, thing? Probably Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. I like it than pets. God damn it, Pierce. <laughs> that's your favorite Jim Carrey. That's your favorite, favorite Jim, Jim Carrey, Carrey performance. Yes. All right. I, I was going to say uh, Man on the Moon, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it was the second Ace Ventura film that really is the one. <laughs> I also like him in the documentary about Man on the Moon. Yes. Uh, what is that called, though? I don't remember. Uh be, being Andy, becoming Andy, becoming Jim Andy, and Andy, like Jim and Andy, Jim and Andy. That's right. Yeah, that yeah. documentary is great. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've good. never actually seen Man on the Moon, but I have seen the documentary. <laughs> yeah, uh, you should you should see the film. The film's good. The film's, film's very good. good. It's a good film. Uh, it also starred Kelly Cofield. Uh, she's done many small roles in Scary Movie, Jerry Maguire, and Little Man. Uh, she was Aunt Linda in an episode of Thirty Rock. I don't remember who Aunt Linda was. Um, and then she was also Joanne in four episodes of Kidding. Kidding is uh, the the kind of Mister Rogers Neighborhood style show that stars Jim Carrey. So I th- thought that was oh. interesting. That like, I oh hey, I got some of my friends. Uh, I think it's like a, it might be a Showtime show. It's on our list. It's on the big master list of shows that we should watch for pilot program. Yeah. Uh, I've wanted to watch it for a while and just haven't found the time. But. Uh, yeah, if you could think of Jim Carrey as kind of a broken Mr. Rogers, uh, like, okay, that, that sounds like a show okay, I'd watch. Sure. Um, also starred Kim Coles. She was uh, Sinclair James Jones in Living Single. That was the, uh, Living Single's the, um, the, um, what is, no, 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 sorry, I was thinking of a different thing. Never mind. Okay. She's Dr. Mary in two episodes of Frasier. Yeah, Frazier. Uh, and she's also the host of the 2009 BET game show Pay It Off. And uh, and she's been in a in some movies as well. Tommy Davidson, uh, he's the voice of Oscar Proud, which is the, the father in the Proud family. Uh, both the original and the, the 2022 revival. Good for him. Uh, David Alan Greer, just, just a fucking great actor. David Alan Amazing. Greer, uh, star of stage and screen. He uh, was Jackie Robinson in a stage musical called The First. Uh, he played an FBI agent in ALF. I'm okay. sure that's not his biggest role, <laughs> but I love that. I absolutely love that. 
Uh, he was in Jumanji. He's the voice of the Samurai in Samurai Jack, not the Samurai, because uh, that's a, that's Jack. That's a mm-hmm. that's a different guy. Um, but the Samurai also pretty good. Um, he he's been in some other stuff as well. I I probably remember him most as the Cowardly Lion in The Wiz Live. I don't know why I watched The Wiz Live. Jesus. It was like the record. It was like the TV movie version that we recorded of The Wiz Live. I don't know. Uh, I thought he was very good in that. Um, it also starred Takea Crystal Kama Kim Kima. I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle with some yeah, of these. Yeah, names. We're, we're we're going to do the best we can with some of the names. Uh, yeah, throughout uh, this podcast, <laughs> for sure. She was Erica Lucas in Cosby, which is the show that they made after, after the Cosby, Cosby show. show. Yeah, so it's not the yeah, it's slightly different. Uh, she was also Tanya Baxter in That's So Raven, which I just found fun as the connection between Cosby and That's So Raven. Um, she plays Amika in one episode of Kidding, so she also comes back and, and has a kind of reunion with Jim Carrey and, and some of those other In Living Color people. Uh, and she was Tech Terry in Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens, which... Have you ever watched a, a Sharknado movie? First? I have not. I'm not someone who likes campy stuff like that, so yeah. I tend to not watch the first one nor the fourth one yeah i can't remember which one chris jericho was in but that's the one i want to see want to see I, that's I've a wrestler never seen it. he is a, he is a wrestler yes he's also the front man of the band fozzy your favorite <laughs> i'm sure um and then and then uh she was also the host of the currently airing uh the cool crystal show which is basically like your own named show yeah i think so so Good, good for her. It counts. Uh, and then we've got a couple Wayans here. One of them is Damon Wayans. Like we mentioned, he uh, did 11 episodes of Saturday Night Live. Uh, he was in I'm Gonna Get You Sucka. Um, he was Jimmy Dix in The Last Boy Scout. He was uh, Major Payne in Major Payne. Uh, he had a show called Damon, which, again, named after yourself. I'm going to mention it. Uh, he was in My Wife and Kids. And then he's also uh, Murtaugh in the 2016 Lethal Weapon TV show reboot revival, whatever the fuck. He's uh, also apparently the Banana Man in Beverly Hills Cop One. Oh, is he really great? <laughs> yeah, I love Beverly great. Hills Cop One. <laughs> uh, and then there's Kim Wayans. Uh, she was a nightclub singer, and I'm gonna get you sucker. Uh, she was also in a Low Down Dirty Shame. She uh, was uh, also a writer, uh, a, like a pretty prolific writer. I think she did a lot of writing in, in Living Color as well, but she was also uh, a writer for 64 episodes of My Wife and Kids, which was the show Damon Wayne yeah. was on. Anyway, big cast. That's only for the first season. We're not going to get into uh, the cast changes for the, the other seasons, although we will. I, I do want to mention there are a couple of bigger names that show up in this show eventually. Uh, Jamie Foxx was on the show for season three and on, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was kind of before he got real big. Um, we'll talk about the Fly Girls and, and what they're about. But Jennifer Lopez was a Fly Girl on the show before she was Jennifer Lopez. Oh, uh, damn. So they, they, had, they had some star talent before they were stars. And I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Pierce, would you like to give the premise, uh, to our audience of what In Living Color is at a pretty basic level? In Living Color is a black-led sketch comedy show. It's particularly notable for its time, uh, as it veered away from the more typical black broadcast shows of the time. Shows like The Cosby Show almost seemed more interested in gaining white acceptance in the mainstream. 
but in living color aimed for a more irreverent tone and feels more authentic to the black experience, particularly black youth. This feels like a show that prioritized the entertainment of a black audience first, as if uh, others can enjoy it too. That's nice. But uh, it was primarily for a black audience. I did not realize you were going to read my notes back to me, but sure, I thought that's I'll, what you I'll wanted me to do. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, hey, they're great notes. I wrote them, so I should know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it does. It, it, it's this is a uh, I compare it in my notes. If you were to look at other sketch comedy shows, namely Saturday Night Live, uh, yeah. Mad TV to a lesser extent, um, but this is setting itself apart from what was out there in terms of sketch comedy, but also, like you said. Um, you know, black led shows at that time, there was a lot of uh, white executives at these TV companies and they were trying to appeal to all the audiences sort of thing. Um, and this is very, it's not only like a, a show about the black experience, but it's also a show that's very much about the late eighties, early nineties um, in terms of what it references, the style uh, that they're, like a lot of the characters are dressing in the music. Um, so it's, it was very much a, a different show at the time. And the fact that it had so many comedians that came out of this show, I think says a lot about the success of what they were doing and the, and the sort of bleeding edge of where they were at. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it'd be, it'd be easy to be relatively cynical or at the very least very reductive and say, this is the quote unquote black SNL. Um, that is, that might be how it got sold to Fox is like, Hey, we can do a variety show for you, but what if it, it featured uh, a different culture and had a different audience to it and you could have this more ownable space here. I could, I could totally see that would, would be maybe how it came together. Um, but you're right. I, I think it has a lot more cultural cachet to, to its message, to its tone, to the, the people they're talking to. And, and as you mentioned in my beautifully read notes, um, <laughs> it, it, it did have a, a much different tone than the type of, um, not just black comedy, but I would say black entertainment at all when it comes to television at least of of trying to present you know maybe a more authentic maybe a more um culturally relevant maybe a a bit more hey this is this is who we are uh and less about that kind of cosby acceptance yeah warts and all also like i right listen we're not obviously we're not black so we can't speak about the black experience um right but i like I'm somewhat Jewish, I'm half Jewish, and I can speak more to, to that side. And someone that You're comes more to Jewish mind than is George Santos is. Oh uh, boy, uh, yeah. uh-huh. just like jokes in in Living Color, that joke will probably not stick <laughs> a year from now. If you well, unlike in Living Color, um, I don't think anybody's going to be listening to That's Pilot true. Program um, thirty years from now. <laughs> but I will say that the thing that I was I, I sort of uh, saw in this show and also related to was it reminded me of Philip Roth, the writer. And when Philip Roth was writing his books in the fifties and sixties, he got a lot of vitriol and hatred from his own community because he was showing his Jewish family as people who were, um, 
miserly and mm-hmm. obsessed with money and very neurotic and cynical and a lot of people were angry and upset with him for not showing this sort of sanitized idealistic version to the rest of the world um he was selling those books to the rest of the world and was like hey we jews are deeply flawed people um and i think there are parts in in living color that are also like that where they talk about you know inner city crime and um you know we'll get it to it but the domestic abuse of uh (laughs) yeah tax evasion and the domestic abuse of uh by um mike tyson so sure this is a show that's masculinity like there's plenty of stuff yeah there's plenty of stuff in here in fact uh don't don't think that i'm some amazing research guy because this is just on the wikipedia page for in living color (laughs) but there is a quote from keenan ivory wayans where people did push back a little bit on him of hey uh you that same kind of thing you you should not be uh being so uh stereotypical with with some of these characters you're you're making a ba- a bad image for for black people as a as a whole and he goes you know woody allen can make fun of of jewish people all he wants like hey now maybe that that quote doesn't work as well uh but he's like woody allen makes movies and nobody's going to call him on shit uh martin scorsese makes movies about italians uh, and kind of relatively stereotypical Italian culture, nobody calls him out on that uh, mm-hmm. because it does. Like it's nobody even thinks to call him out on that. But when I make uh, a stereotypical black character, uh, then people people think uh, people racistly think that I am am bringing us down in some way. They're stereotypes about my people. Right. I should be or, able to get to speaking, say them. Yeah, I think another thing that. Uh, a white cultural critic will sometimes do is they will assume that uh, a black entertainer or a black artist is speaking for all of the black experience. And the same goes for what happened to, you know, Philip Roth in the fifties and, and how that has, that changed. Like, right. Yeah. Woody Allen. Yeah. No one assumes that Woody Allen is speaking about the complete Jewish experience um, because of progress. So, and I think, you know, you look, or or even just having the freedom to, to feel like you can talk about those things because I'm, I'm skewering this idea. These stereotypes exist for sure. And in, in some ways they're more right or more wrong than other ways, but I should be able to poke fun at this because I have to deal with these stereotypes in, in my life every day. I I think that's where at least Ivory Wayans was, was going with, with his comment. And again, I didn't quote this verbatim. You can go to the Wikipedia page for in living color and find it yourself. But, um, it is, it is like, I, I, I think the, the, the Roth, um, comment is, is perfectly in tune with the same kind of stuff that they're, they were dealing with for this show. Anyway, would you like to talk about this pilot episode? Yeah. Instead of the show overall. So I would love that. We'll, uh, I, this this one's a little interesting. Instead of being you know a story based show, being that this is more like an SNL variety show, I think we can just kind of go down the sketches one at a yeah. time and and talk about them. Um, but let's first talk about the the intro. Um, you mentioned in your notes we are two for two uh, in the last two episodes of banger openings. These yeah, are, these are some great intro songs. We had "Suicide Is Painless" for Mash, and now we have the "In Living Color" theme. Just called In Living Color, I'm pretty yep. sure. Um, it's real good. <laughs> it's just real good. Yeah. It's a good beat. Uh, and, and you have, uh, I believe this was the case for the first two, maybe even the first three seasons. 
um, with the cast in in these kind of white rooms, uh, but they are there's like uh, tarps on the floor and they're throwing paint uh, in various types of ways at the at the camera. So whether they're flicking paint at it or actually using a paint roller to to go over the lens, um, it's it's very reminiscent of the way that SNL kind of gives their little title cards to each one of their their featured players. Uh, but this one just does it in a way that feels a little bit more freeform. It goes with this uh, funky look for the logo of In Living Color that they show off. A logo, by the way, that they only use for the first episode because then the band Living Color said, that looks a lot like our band logo. You need to change that shit. So, so then they changed it to like a, a three-color, uh, much more standard font uh, that said In Living Color. Um, I, I found that funny. But... Um, I I just I really like the intro like the it's great. Dame I think it's Damon Wayans who just like has a bike and he he's got yellow paint on the the tread of the of the tire of the bike and he's just rolling the bike uh <laughs> over the over the camera to get the yellow treads on there. Uh it's fantastic. It's just fun. It's it's a good intro. I love it. Uh then we have some dancing. We get introduced to the Fly Girls, Fly Girls. who are uh this kind of dancing troupe of uh very very diverse women uh white white women black women i believe uh an asian woman is also in in this first episode um rosie perez i believe is the choreographer for these girls she's not in the in this first episode but i think she also was a fly girl but she was leading the the troupe and doing all the choreography for that stuff um and it's like it it's it's it makes it different like this is a i would say this is probably the most unique part of the show if you just put this and saturday night live up against each other and go how are these shows different you go that one's got the cool dancing in it with the with the awesome dj stuff like this is this is great snl's got i don't know some sad boy whining about something over two songs like this is much better than that (laughs) i i still often skip the musical guests because i i just don't think they get very good musical guests on, in general on snl um that could be me i don't, I don't think that's taste. the ideal environment to listen to music uh sure it's like even talk show stuff where it's like they're gonna play two songs and it's probably gonna sound like crap and they haven't rehearsed it very much on that stage um, yeah yeah this is i also was kind of confused like was this all done in front of a live audience was it filmed and then shown to a live audience uh because the set that they're dancing on like looks as if it would be someplace in front of a live audience it's sort of like a street scene uh, yeah i mean it's certainly edited down it's it's not like snl in the way that uh i think all of this stuff was presented live i mean snl does have some pre-recorded stuff that they play as well but i i feel like i feel like they probably did this act in front of a live studio audience and then edited the parts down into a 20 minute show or 22 minute episode or something like that. But, but it does feel live, especially the intro. You got Keenan Ivory Wayne's coming out, introducing himself, introducing the fly girls, introducing the show and the crowd is fucking hot. They are, they are so especially in that first ready to cheer. They are, they are doing the, the uh, Arsenio hall, hoots and and like every everybody's they are there to have a good fucking time and they are gonna have it no matter what is shown and it's it's awesome it's it's just it feels electric it's really really cool 
he presents the DJ. Do you remember the DJ's name? I think you had it written uh, down. DJ S1? Yeah. SW1. SW1? SW1. SW1. I see, yeah, yeah, I okay. see your notes now. Um, um, yeah. I, he he has his uh, a very ecstatic flair that he goes with. Uh, Keen Ivory Waynes can barely even speak here because the crowd is just drowning him out with applause every time he opens his mouth. Um, but it's great. Uh, he also says we're going to have a great show or we've got a great show. And I'm like, hey, that's the line from the other uh, the other one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess they don't own it, but that's that's always just the line I think of when I think of SNL. Uh, I'm like, yeah, hey, we got a great show. Yeah. I mean, the uh, format is great. Like, you don't is. mess with the format. Yeah. My absolutely. gripes about SNL and Matt TV uh, are numerous, but the format is gold. Yeah. Gold, Jerry. Definitely. <laughs> uh then we move on to the first sketch which is a love connection parody uh james carey here plays chuck woolery uh, it's a bad chuck woolery impression it sounds nothing it's like very chuck woolery, yeah but it is it is quintessential jim carey where you go yes. like oh yeah that's the guy who would become the mask like look at look at this motherfucker. He is he is fully formed Jim Carrey at this point. In fact, he even says it this is the thing that shook me the most. This this show, like I said, uh debuted in 1990, April in 1990. Uh Ace Ventura would not happen until like 1994. Uh he says all righty then as Chuck Woolery and I'm like you can't say that. You can't say that for another 4 years. Where the fuck did that come from? Uh it's incredible. Like, he it is, is it, like, it, it, it is his part actually isn't that good but no it's i like those kind of connections but there is uh i i know we talked about alan alda earlier and about how he is like leaps and bounds uh, above the other people in mash i don't think that's exactly the case here uh in in living color because i think there are a lot of really talented people here uh david allen greer especially i think is is probably my favorite person in the whole uh episode that i watched but there is uh, a a physical a physicality to Jim Carrey that none of the other people have. Uh, he's only in this one sketch. I think he does a voice in another sketch, but um, he's really only in this one sketch. And I could just instantly look and go, "Yeah, oh yeah, that that guy's gonna be a star." Like, fucking look at him. Like, just look at the way he gains reactions from people not by saying anything just like moving his face a little bit and putting his face in his hands and and uh going like "Ooh, what and it's like <laughs> it's like people are just going nuts for for basically nothing his physical presence he's is so good is commanding um yeah yeah more so than the other ones and, and yeah in this sketch so there it's it's between mike tyson and his ex-wife robin gibbons who at the time they were going through a public divorce because of I think actually they had gone through the public divorce. I think they got yes, divorced. Yes, it would have just ended. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because Tyson was abusive and Robin Givens was an actress, was accused of being a gold digger. Um, you know, classic uh, 80s. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to say stereotypes, but I think like the media liked painting figures in certain ways. And this was sure. a, a common sexist one. And, and I think it's also important to note, uh, again, the, the time period, this is 1990. Um, this is a weird time for Mike Tyson in that it is after some stuff happened, like the divorce, but it is way before 
the eh, not way before. I think uh, I think he had like a, a rape charge in 1991. So this is before that. This is before he bites Evander Holyfield's ear. This is before any of the crazy shit he does now. This is pre face tattoo Titan, like uh, Tyson. Like this, there's there's a lot of stuff that happens with Mike Tyson later. Um, but in this sketch and in this time period, he is. I mean, he. You're right. Like, you're right. There's still there's still allegations of abuse and and some things like that. But he comes off as more, especially in the in the way they portray him in this parody, uh, as like this dumb puppy dog of, uh, you know, I'm he's he's a certainly a womanizer, he's but he's like yeah. ah, I'm just uh, he he does his impression, his impression. Yeah. His uh, Keenan Ivory Wayne says one word as Mike Tyson, and the crowd erupts. Yeah, like they are I again, think... they are so ready to <laughs> cheer the, and laugh. Who's and the guy time. on Raw that did the Tyson impression? I already the, forgot. The Rock. <laughs> oh no, 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 you mean you in, mean on the, the episode, episode of yeah. Raw that we watched? Yes, Sorry, correct. yes. Uh, I don't, I don't remember that asshole's name. <laughs> <laughs> well, but this is like night and day uh, comparison. The the. Yeah. Keenan Ivory Wayans does an incredible job and his like mannerisms and, and like sort of Mike Tyson's ticks, the way he shakes his head a little bit and mm-hmm. um, you know, the Even makeup costuming. is great. Also. Like they, they got like costuming the little perfect, gap in yeah. the teeth. Like it, they, they had the stuff that were just like, yeah, he, I can see that is a Mike Tyson impression yeah. and they are and it, killing it. It's so spot on. And, and like you were saying, the crowd is so electric that he doesn't even have to say anything and they're already laughing. Fact, and I think you were laughing too. I, yeah, I in laughing. fact, I think it almost hurts the sketch. I mean, they're getting laughs. What do you want? But like, yeah. they're the crowd is laughing over many of the jokes and not even hearing the jokes, just because like that's a fantastic impression. We're just laughing at this. It's great, and it is. But like, man, I can't even hear the jokes in some of these. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think on. there are that many jokes. Like the 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 overarching joke joke is that Mike Tyson is abusive and yeah. Robin Givens likes money and also, and also those, dumb and Robin yeah, Givens and is taking advantage of that and also getting right. mad when he continues to womanize other, other women, uh, including her mom, uh, because this yeah. is, this is still portrayed in like a love connection. You two went on a date. Um, and then at the end of the, or near the end of the sketch, they, the audience in love connection gets to, I guess, vote on who gets to, date somebody next or whatever i i I have never seen an episode of love connection i don't think love connection will show up on the pilot program Mm -hmm. but who knows Uh, um but uh we see uh we see our our 45th president of the united states show up there Mm -hmm. wasn't that fun wasn't it fun to see that guy in his late 80s early 90s on the president yeah yeah yeah. trump trump's gonna be in these kinds of things i I don't think it's a very good bit overall i think the it's it's i guess it's held up by jim carrey's physicality um yeah but it's, it's really, really held long. up by Keenan. Yeah, it's it's also yeah. very long. It's like something like eight minutes on a twenty minute show. Maybe there there are two long sketches in in this pilot, and I think those two are maybe my weakest sketches that I saw. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And, and I think a lot of it is that, especially in this one, the the jokes just run out. Like it yeah. is, it just goes on too long because you have the impression it's so hot, and and then they kind of just keep going and it, it didn't yeah. need to. anyway uh, and uh, i think I, so i think kim coles plays robin givens i just wanted to give I, a I shout i think out that's right her. yeah I think that's um right. the performance is okay I, I mean it's kind of a valley girl uh, mm-hmm. stereotype but uh yeah i wish they had a better script in that because it would have been 
Yeah, I, I did listen to a Robin Givens interview just to be like, eh, how good was this impression? And like, eh, I don't, I don't know if it was that good, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I liked, I liked her performance. I, I just don't know if I, if I thought like that was Robin Givens. In fact, I, I kind of missed uh, that they said Robin Givens at the, at the beginning of the, at the sketch. I think because yep. there was too much laughing, and I'm just like, oh, okay, random Valley go, yep, whatever. And then this is all about Mike Tyson, and it wasn't yep. until you had in your notes like, oh, this is Robin Givens. I'm like, oh. I need to go back and watch that, and like, yeah, I guess, I guess that's right. Yeah, okay, sure. Because, uh, because it's not like, it's not like Robin Givens was was uh, somebody you could um, make an impression of, and people would immediately point to go, oh, Robin Givens. I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. Like she's just not that personality like a Mike Tyson is, uh, where there's and, and what you're saying, that you can just point to that. Yeah, what you said about the specific time in Mike Tyson's career, like there are things that even overshadowed this uh i don't even want to say it's an allegation like i think he admitted to abusing her uh, yeah. later on so anyway um want to talk about the next bit i absolutely do i think it's maybe my favorite sketch in in the show there are a couple really really good ones but There's this really this one ones. is is maybe my favorite uh tommy davidson hosts great moments in black history where he talks about the lesser-known fourth member of the Apollo 11th mission, Apollo 11 <laughs> mission, uh, <laughs> that fourth member being Slick Johnson. Yep. Uh, um, uh, basically, the idea here is that while they're on the moon, NASA informs the the crew, uh, Armstrong specifically, hey, we only got enough fuel to bring three of you back. Uh, so they send a Slick Johnson to go find a nice spot for volleyball. <laughs> Which is so funny. The <laughs> and then take off of that. Uh, take off in the lander yeah. and then you can just hear the the voiceover go, hey guys come on that's not cool why what are you doing oh <laughs> uh, it's it's fantastic and then uh and then the idea that nasa has now uh done a cover-up to erase slick johnson from any photos or history books that he was on that mission uh it's it's super short it's just it's it's good it's just a solid bit uh, I really like. Uh, I think you mentioned it. I, I might let you talk more about it, but just the the background setup for for this sketch of like it's very it's a very simple scene of just kind of this orange background with some cardboard cutouts. Yeah, it's uh, like that. It's, it's got that sunset uh, uh, orange kind of gradient yeah. going on, and mm-hmm. then cardboard cutouts of you know, famous black figures from history. I think it's it's such a brilliant um, setup, and it's something that I would assume and. I want to go on YouTube and watch more of these, but they probably repeated this great moments of black history throughout the show that if they didn't, they, they messed up. Like this is, is like, this is, this gave me, and this came before this, but uh, like the Bud, the Bud Light uh, or Budweiser real men of genius. genius, Like it absolutely is playing on similar kinds of things like that of let's, let's take a a twist on, on this idea that these were some great men or, or great moments and and I it just does a great job. It's a it's a great great sketch. Uh, and then they lead into another fantastic fucking sketch, which is the Homeboy Shopping Network. And as soon as I heard the title, I was like, oh, this writes itself. It, mm-hmm. it, it's just so good. Like somebody, I can hear, I can just feel the writers' room. 
that somebody said, you know, what if we had like a sketch called like the Homeboy Shopping Network, and everyone immediately was like, I've got five ideas for that. Yeah, and and they threw them all in, and they're all fucking gold. Oh, it's so good. You want to you want to set up what the Homeboy Shopping Network is, Pierce? Yeah. So the premise is a spoof on the Home Shopping Network, and but the Homeboy Shopping Network is two guys uh, in an alley with a van that they pop open. Mm-hmm. And it's never explicitly said, but all of the goods are stolen. Um, so you're supposed to call into a payphone that's nearby them in it's order. The best to part of the whole bit. It's the stolen. best part. <laughs> Every time I think of it, I I, I laugh about it. Um, it's and, like, uh, yeah. How, how do people call in? And uh, I think it's Damon Wayne's. It's it's Keenan and, and Damon uh, as the as the two hosts of the Homeboy Shopping Network. And and Damon, I uh, kind of looks around, sees the payphone, immediately yeah. goes, in, "Oh, <laughs> he doesn't it's, actually uh, know how they." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, call us at uh, uh what is that? Is that uh, five five five? <laughs> Um, and then, uh, like they're, they're showing off some of the, some of the goods they have and they're like, Oh, look at these, look at this jewelry. And, you know, some of it, uh, got broken in tran quote unquote broken in transit. Yep. Um, and then like, they see a nice ring and he's like, Ooh, that's, that's nice. And, and yeah. uh, Damon like puts it on and Keenan's like, are you, are you taking that? And he's like, yeah, I think so. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. That was a display piece, obviously. <laughs> And then uh, someone calls in, and this is the Jim Carrey voice line, so he does show up one more time. And he goes, hey, that ring belongs to my wife. <laughs> and they yeah. just hang up on him immediately <laughs> and say another satisfied customer. It's it's so good. There are so many items that they show. The other one I really like is the is the TV. The TV. So yeah. Like now these these TVs, they look they look they're just like the models uh, that you'd see in these nice uh, high end hotel rooms. And like, yeah, in fact, they are exactly like the ones you'd find <laughs> in those hotel rooms. Uh, but it still has the the. Uh, like the anti-theft like it's on like a little table and they've taken (laughs) the top of the table so it doesn't stand up and they're like yeah if you call now you'll get these free gideon bibles (laughs) you can stack them up and even it out and it's so perfect it just the the bit just keeps going the the only issue i had with it and and it's not even really an issue of the sketch it's an issue of ordering uh is that one of their final big jokes is you know, hey, if you want satellite TV, and they roll out this NASA satellite, yeah. like you can get all the channels. And I'm like, you just did, just did a sketch NASA that thing. mentioned yeah, NASA. I saw the, I saw the th- what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> put the put these two further apart in the show, yeah. and it, I wouldn't have even noticed. But <laughs> like, you have two NASA bits in uh, in quick succession. I just thought that was weird, but uh, it's a it's a fantastic sketch. And then the police arrive. Uh, you hear the sirens, and they go, "Oh, blue light special! You know, we'll we'll see a same time, different corner." And they yeah. and they get away, and it's ah, oh, it's fucking great. It's such a good sketch. Next one, maybe not so good. The worst one, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, so I there, think there pretty is a dance easily number. the worst sketch here. We should shout um, out the dance number. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they they do. Uh, so this was good the the dance break between these two uh just more good good music some kind of uh pop and locky style um choreography uh i think they do a lot of cool stuff with the fly girls there's there's um some parts where they go into slow motion uh with some of the things they do these are some like prototypical 90s gear like they are wearing 
the uh the athletic wear that is super bright yeah the the biker shorts the the uh like sports bra kind of stuff um super patterned uh super like chartreuse colors like really really bright stuff um my question is this is what i think of when i when i think of the 90s this is 1990 though this is this is the first year of the 90s practically the 80s at this point so is pierce do you think that our view of the 90s is just this time of the 90s like when we think about fashion from the 90s we just go back to this part like we're we're thinking about this or do you think the show was ahead of its time in that this like maybe the show helped to spark this as like a 90s look going forward hmm I, I hadn't considered those two things. I, I would think it's more ahead of its time than not. Um, we look at, we watched the first episode of Seinfeld, which was 89, yeah. right? And that uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. looks more dated than this, I, I would feel like, yeah. uh, in, in a lot of the styles. I mean, you still, when I think of the 80s, I also still think of like really tight spandex athletic wear with, with crazy sure, colors. A little Maybe more... not as much with the patterns, but yeah. at least the, the neon colors. Um, I don't know. I, just just something I was thinking of when I when I saw this. I was like, man, this this feels like '90s, but also it's the very beginning of the '90s. So there's there's still a lot of '80s bleed to a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just it's like, man, I, I I mean, I wasn't that old in the '90s. Neither were you. So I, I uh, was. Uh, when was this? When did this come out? April. Yeah, I was one month old. <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was you know a handful of. I don't remember old, it. <laughs> I, I had a few I had a handful of months on you, but I also don't remember it all that well. I was watching the Rugrats uh, in in the early mid nineties. Like I don't I don't I don't know much about fashion. If you from look the back 90s. at photos of yourself from like nineteen ninety five, you definitely dressing in clothes that Gen Z is wearing now. Uh, yeah, perhaps somewhat ironically. Uh, I'm gonna send you a photo after we are finished recording of a of a photo that my mom found from around that era. I can't uh, wait. That is is, I was rocking that Charlotte Hornets shirt, man. It was. Of course uh, you were. That, I mean, that great was, logo. The '90s Charlotte Hornets logo. So good, so good. Bad team. Great, great logo. Hey, shout out to Larry Johnson. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into. The bad sketch here. Uh, the idea here is that uh, Red Fox, Red Fox of Sanford and Son, um, is and the Red Fox show, and and the Red. Of course, we have to mention <laughs> the Red Fox show. Uh, but he is he's definitely doing uh, the the character from Sanford and Son here, um, and he's he starts like he's sweeping up this apartment and he looks directly at the camera, breaks the fourth wall, and is talking directly to the audience and going, "Ah, oh, it's Red Fox's tax tips." Uh, tip number one, pay him, um, <laughs> which is funny, uh, which is funny normally, but it's it's funny, especially when you realize that uh, he had just gotten busted for tax evasion. Uh, so, yeah. Hey, the guy, the guy who got busted for tax evasion yeah. is giving you tips. That's that's fun. I like that part. And then they abandon that whole part of the sketch to do uh, like an old Sanford and Son bit of. um Aunt Esther coming in. I, I I'm not sure which which woman uh, portrayed. I think I think it might be I think it might be Kim Wayans uh, who's who's doing Aunt Esther. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, but like heavy costuming the on them. I didn't know yeah. Red Fox was pl- played by Damon until that, 
like five minutes before this episode aired. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I because I the makeup is, right away, is exceptional. It is. It is very good. Like he, he's got. He, it's a very good Red Fox look. Um, but like she comes out and in Sanford and Son, which is a show I didn't watch too much growing up. Um, the, these two bickered a lot, and they had some relatively edgy humor for the time. Uh, just just with the the verbal barbs they'd give. Uh, they just turn it up to 11 here uh, where, you know, he makes a mention of, you know, if your breasts were any lower, they'd be knees. Um, it's it's more sexual. But they also the idea is that she I, I guess like she uh, paid off his taxes or whatever or got him got his got the IRS off his back or whatever. So now she kind of owns him in a way where he's having to to be her maid and also, I guess, kind of her sex slave, which he's against. It's all very yeah rough. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work it, now, especially. And, and it really doesn't work for me. I mean, yeah, I don't like the comedy parts of it, but it doesn't work for me in that they go from this fourth wall breaking thing of I'm talking to the audience about tax tips. And now she comes in and, oh, the audience isn't there. Let's let's put that fourth wall back up so we can yeah. so we can now do this sketch and then not really talk to the audience again at all. And it just it just kind of fell flat to me. It's not it's not it's not very good. Yeah. Um, well, we don't need to talk about this too much longer. I don't think there's not. We there's don't. Not we don't have to talk about it any longer because now we can talk about uh, one of the other best sketches of the show. And and that is the um, oh, what is it? What's the um, I wanted to find out what the, the name of the card was. This is uh, David Allen Greer on a, in a uh, credit card commercial. Um, yeah, it's like a it's like an American Express gold card kind right. of thing, uh, but it's it's played like um, like a bank commercial. So I, I don't know. We have I think this is a regional bank uh, around St. Louis, but there's like a Carlton Bank commercial that has like this very uh, this very specific way that it's shot. It's in a it's in a dark room. There's just a table. It's the it's the bank person sitting at one side of the table, and then yeah. it's you know, the business owner or the couple and they're just kind of talking and having a nice conversation about like, yeah, I needed to come in for a loan and, and you helped me. And like, yeah, yeah. I remember you coming in. It's actually a lot like the, the uh, Chick-fil-A commercials that they do now where like two people are on the red couch and they, like, it's very, it's very similar to that. Um, but so he's going through the idea like, Hey, I, I came into this place to buy a shirt. I didn't have any cash on me. So I decided, Oh, I'd use my blah, 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 express gold card. And the the whole sketch then gets turned on that uh, it is it is, uh, you know, definitely some profiling going on of, well, uh, a black person is probably not supposed to have this card. Right. So they the the store owner calls the credit card company who then goes through the process of, you know, making him show a bunch of documents and know his mother's maiden name and all that stuff uh, to to the point that it's uh, of absolute ridiculousness. And they have the the credit card representative doing her talking head part. And she goes, yeah, he had all the documents. She's the uh, it, she's the store manager of some kind. She's the. Clerk no, 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 that no, 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 no. She's she's from the credit card company. She's the one who got called by the store manager. Oh, I see. OK, OK, yeah. yeah. So the store manager's like, hey, is this part. guy's credit okay? And and even David Algrew is like, I knew my credit was okay. I just paid my bill. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I mean, it's obvious he was who he said he was. He had all the documentation. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to let him, let him yeah, get off like that. 
racially so, profile him. And... and so then she asks him a ridiculous question of like, who won the the Bob Hope Invitational <laughs> Golf Tournament in 1978? Yeah. And he's like, bitch, I don't know. And she's like, oh, I got him. You can't you can't swear over uh, over state phone lines or whatever. Uh, and so then of course they they arrest him on this super technicality. And I love the way it ends with like, yeah, he sued us and won, but it was pretty funny. I'm glad we did it. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's, so, it's, it's good very sketch. good. David Allen Greer is so funny because he's so he has very dry like delivery and kind of sly also. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got that Express, theater. He's got that theater acting as well. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What was it? It's Equity Express. Equity Express. Thank you. Um, and he's got that theater background. So, you know, I know we mentioned Jim Carrey and, and the way he was able to do facials and and uh, physicality. I think David Greer is, is right up there as well with mm-hmm. just the the way he's able to emote and the way like there's there's a specific scene where they uh, he's talking about like, oh, they started being real nice to me and they like gift wrap my shirt and they hand it to him. And, you know, now they're like they're doing trick magic in front of him just to kind of placate him. And then he has to get up and he it, it's just it's just uh, balletic. Ba- ball- oh, ballet, yeah, no, that's great. Ballet. I, yeah, I, I love I know that you use the, that word. Go for I it. Know, I know that's the word. I just didn't, I didn't think that <laughs> if I said, said that, before. people would re- would realize that uh, I meant like ballet, uh, balletic. Yeah, it's a great word. People should say balletic more. Um, but it's such a smooth transition of whoop the the gift wrap shirt goes out of my goes out of my grip and now I've got handcuffs on and like wait what the hell happened and he he just emotes in such a, a perfect way. It's fantastic. It's it's such a it's such a good performance. It's this one might this one might also be my favorite. I, Great moments in Black History is is like neck and neck. I I love both of these so much. This is a great sketch. God, it's a great I, sketch. I'm glad we get to see him once more one more time. Also, David Allen Yeah, David yeah. Allen-Gurt. So so there is one more uh, dance break after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, they they do some cool Pretty stuff. Quick. Some yeah. cool some cool shots. Some uh, some like lower shots on on the girls. So they like, it's. It's just a, it's a lot of really good stuff. They they wear different outfits for each thing. They've got a bunch of different great choreography. It's hard to talk about choreography on a audio only podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, you should go and you should go and watch this episode. Uh, we'll tell you how at the end here. Um, it's just really good. It's really good. So let me get to the last sketch. Pierce, do you want to tell us about Men on Film? Yeah. So Men on Films is a movie review parody uh, featuring two effeminate film critics who are David Allen Greer and Damon Wayans, and they review the latest releases. Um, it's implied that they're gay. Uh, these two. Yeah. Critics, uh-huh. I mean, implied. Heavily, sure. <laughs> um, but it, and when I when it opened, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be pretty homophobic, probably. And. It, it, is, it is, but also kinda, it kind of isn't. Yeah, but it's, it's also weird. like they 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 review all the movies with a gay perspective, uh, and all the the movies that they are reviewing are not gay features. So they almost kind of point out the absurdity of this like homoerotic toxic masculinity in a lot mm-hmm. of these films, and kind of. They're like, hey, yeah, there's some kind of gay stuff about this. Like, this is, and 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 we love it, and this is why we love it, and we're going to celebrate only those things by looking at the very narrow 
perspective of those right films. like the final the final bit here just to give you an example is they're like oh and next next week you're gonna review lethal weapon it's like oh i hope it's loaded and it's like uh, yeah. okay yeah no I, I get it i get yeah. i get what you're doing i don't love it but i get it it's um, fun I, I think it pokes fun at homophobia in yeah. some ways by being like listen if you got a problem with like gay men maybe interrogate some of the things that you think are like masculine and uh, straight for that matter, because you know, sexuality is, is a spectrum in many ways. And they're not saying all that, like it, maybe this is me looking into this bit, you know, 30 years from now. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there's a germ of that here. I, I, I think, I think the thoughts, those thoughts go into building a sketch like this. But at the same time, you have a relatively extended joke about Glenn Close uh, looking like a man and <laughs> one of them not knowing that Glenn Close was a woman until the other says, like, no, Glenn Close, that's a woman. And like, wow, fooled me. Uh, like, damn, that's that's kind of below the belt. <laughs> like, that's that's damn shit. Um I didn't. I didn't love it. I, it was. It wasn't my favorite. I know they. They come back to this a lot. Uh, it's. It's a sketch that they use in a. Uh, that they repeat in in a lot of different ways. I think they also have like men on other topics as well. I know they do like okay. men on film again, but I think they're also like men on sports or something like that, where they where they do this kind of bit again, just on a, in a different genre. Um, again, just not. My I favorite. don't know. I. I didn't hate it as much as you did. I, I mean. We're, we're just put it out there we're not gay we're not black so like yeah we should yep. probably we're, we're this should probably be an episode where we have guests uh that can explain <laughs> from I, their you know if you, this is valid or this not. was this is also something that that you posited that we we shouldn't we shouldn't just stick to we shouldn't just do like some white bread Seinfeld show every single time we do a pilot program uh we should extend out more and and further our 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 reach and our um, like the the variety of shows that we we consume, I love that. I love that idea. Uh, we're gonna continue that with our with our next episode that we'll talk about here at the end. But uh, you're right that there is going to be some difficulties here. Uh, for like, we don't understand these cultures as innately as uh, the people from the cultures. So we're gonna we're gonna struggle for for some of that stuff. But I think it's still important for us to talk about these shows. Um, specifically a show like this uh we, we can talk about it now uh there's there's like a little bit left to to talk about the show but um you can't this is not a streaming service anywhere uh you, you're not gonna load it up on amazon prime or netflix or any of that shit um you can buy them on dvd but i would say don't do that either because uh because there's a ton of licensed music in in this show uh, all the DVDs are edited to shit to not only take out the music, but to take out references to the music, like spoken Ugh. references to the songs. So you'll end up with a ton of just poorly edited things that don't feel like they make sense anymore. Um, it's it's a pretty standard practice with a lot of DVD stuff, especially for shows that weren't... Um, you know, you're not going to get that with the office. They're going to NBC is going to pony up the the licensing money for the rights on all that stuff to be able to make those DVDs as good as possible. But for a show that uh, lived and died and then DVD sales started to happen uh, when somebody's like, oh, we can make a DVD and, and make some money. They're not thinking about 
preserving it the the right way. Uh, so they're, they're really edited down. There's also some sketches that uh, just got edited out because you cannot do them today. There is yeah. a 9-11, or not a 9-11 sketch. There's a <laughs> sketch about bombing the World Trade Center before 9-11 happened. They cut that one out. Uh, can you believe it? Uh, there's also a pretty famous sketch uh, called Bolt 45 that you can absolutely find on YouTube, but they only aired it once. Uh, even on the syndicated version of the show, they're like, we got to take that one out. Uh, because it's basically about date rape. Uh, not not great. <laughs> not Comedy great. is all about pushing the envelope and getting uh-huh. right up to the line and trying and they, to they did. it. And they did. And you know what? It's a funny sketch. It's a bad sketch, but it's a funny sketch. Um, you can find that on YouTube. I've not seen uh, it. Where you can I'm also not, that's find... That's Chase's endorsement. Not my endorsement. <laughs> um, you can also find all these episodes on YouTube. Uh, you're You're going to get garbage quality... Uh, these, these are not uploaded at 1080p or anything like that, um, but they are there in their original forms. So I, I would I would suggest and, and they're just listed. I, I don't think anybody's taking them down. Uh, Fox doesn't seem concerned, uh, although I guess they're owned by Disney now in some form or fashion. Um, but you just look up in living color episode one, you'll find it and then you'll that same person hey he uploaded episode two and three and four and so on um so you're you're not going to have any trouble finding this and and there's also plenty of uh solo sketches that that are turned into youtube clips that you can find as well uh so i would suggest uh you to do that because i i thought this first episode overall pretty solid uh of the of the six sketches i thought three of them were really really good yeah and uh two of them were kind of weak and one of them was bad but i think that's pretty uh, that's a pretty good average uh especially yeah, when i think to, of yeah if you go to a comedy club and watch six stand-up comics it's going to be yeah. like that as well you're gonna create if you watch a, a standard episode of saturday night live i don't i don't think yeah, you're gonna absolutely. get a 50 percent hit rate and but snl also goes on three times as long as an episode of in living color does. So I don't know. It's I, I enjoyed my time with it for sure. Uh, the ending, they, they do a little bit more dancing. They have the, the cast themselves dance over some of the credits as they, as they kind of do their good night bit. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I, I had a great time. I, I had a, I had a pretty, pretty darn solid time. Uh, there is something kind of weird watching this knowing that Jim Carrey is going to become the biggest star ever out of this group. Um, feels a little weird that, Hey, our, our black led comedy sketch show, uh, the white guys, the one who right. becomes the most right, famous, yeah. not, not like anybody from the weigh-ins or David Allen Greer is fighting for scraps here. Like it, it, the show certainly had other stars. Jamie Foxx was on the show. Jamie Foxx doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Lopez doing just fine. It's they they had people of color who rose to more to more prominence because of the show. Um, but yeah, some, something about watching this first episode going, hmm, the megastar I mean, yeah. is the white guy. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Point to a lot of. Uh, I mean, the preservation of this or lack thereof. You know that fact about Jim Carrey. This is all evidence i think of a larger bias in in hollywood and in in entertainment um but all in all like yeah this is a great show this is a hotbed of talent like if you care about the history of comedy and the history of a lot of movies that you will eventually like in the 90s and, and 2000s um maybe just go to youtube and like 
type in best in living color bits and just let it play. Let one of those totally. playlists play because there's just there's a ton of really good stuff in here. Um, and I don't know, I might do that one night after having a couple of drinks, pop up the old uh, YouTube on the TV and sit back. I, I've, I've honestly been really close to hitting that episode two uh, on YouTube. Just like, oh, I should watch episode two. I was like, you can't watch it until you're done with the pilot program. <laughs> That's the point of our show. Um, I will give you a little epilogue here. The, the show was pretty immediately popular. Um, it earned near universal acclaim over its first two seasons. It won a primetime Emmy uh, in 1990, the year it came out for Outstanding Variety Music or Comedy Series. It also won a 1991 People's Choice Award for Favorite New TV Comedy Series. It tied with some show called The Simpsons. Have you ever heard of something called The Simpsons, Pierce? That's, uh... Is that the prequel to Futurama? I think so. I think so. Okay. Um, we, we might cover it here. I, we, we like covering a little indie stuff, um, so that'd be, that could be fun. Um, anyway, the, the show would, would change that, that success for the show would change uh, a lot during seasons three and four, uh, Fox, the network, uh, not red Fox, but Fox, the network decided like, Hey, we'd like more creative control over this. Uh, this, this maybe wasn't exactly what we're looking for. Yeah, kind of. I think there was something to that. I mean, there was something we, we mentioned at the top of the show that Cosby is, is also happening around this time and or the Cosby show or Bill Cosby in general, uh, who we know currently has some issues. Um, but at the time that was what black comedy was. That was what black led family matters family. Yes. Uh, but very family focused Mm -hmm. stuff, good feeling stuff. Um, and so I think there was some pushback from that community of, hey, I, we we get that it's you know authentic, but uh, maybe maybe don't show that side of us to uh, to uh, the mainstream white world. That's not what we're really trying. That's not pushing the progress, right? Um, and I think Fox is also like this is a little edgier than we were we meant it to be. Uh, th- this is a weird era of Fox where they cared about that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think they care about that as much anymore. Um, but Fox was like, we'd like to take more creative control. Um, and and they kind of had a falling out with with Keenan Ivory Wayans. Uh, he would stop uh, appearing in sketches after the third season. And after the fourth season, basically every member of the Wayans family. In fact, I think every member of the Wayans family was gone from the show at that point. And then that's when somebody like Jamie Foxx comes in and does uh, gets a lot more. Jim Carrey, I believe, is is in every season. He mm-hmm. he lasted the whole whole run. Uh, a number of people lasted the whole run, uh, which would total 127 episodes. They had five seasons, so they did get into syndication. They hit that 100 mark, and uh, I think there were some some qualms from, from Keenan Ivory Wayans about syndication. Uh, I think they kind of tried to immediately put the show into syndication when they were still airing episodes, uh, airing new episodes, and he thought that was also uh, detrimental to the show's success. Um, in 2012, not so long ago, comparatively, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans and Fox attempted to reboot the show with an all new cast. They made a pilot for it, a pilot that I cannot find. I, I, if, if I would have found it, we would have definitely talked about it on, on this episode, but, uh, I don't think it's out there for public to, uh, to see it. Uh, but the show ultimately got canceled before it even aired, as both Keenan Ivory Wayans and Fox uh, didn't feel like what they had could last more than a single season. So they just said, eh, it's, that's not going to be worth our time. Um, and then, like we said, if you want to stream the show, 
YouTube. YouTube's really the only place to, to do it properly. Um, don't buy those DVDs. They're, they're they might be better quality, but they are they're not they're not complete. Don't do that. All right, Pierce. I think it is time. We've uh, just about reached our destination here. Uh, next time on pilot program, we will be watching a show called Blue Blazes, uh, mm-hmm. also called uh, Aoi Hano. Hono? Aoi Hono, I believe is, is how you say it. Uh, if that didn't give you a hint, uh, this is a Japanese show. It's a Japanese live action show. Um and I'll leave it at that. I, I don't want to. I don't want to give you any uh, any intro okay. to it. I, I want You've you to seen come it, cold. I have seen this whole show. I love okay. the show. I think it's fantastic. I have not. Um, also, little little spoiler here. We're gonna go three for three on fantastic intro songs. Ooh. Uh, this is uh, it's it's such a fantastic intro song. Anyway, as we prepare for landing, remember that you can follow Pilot Program at Twitter at Pilot Program Pod. You can also follow me at Chase Kennecke at Chase underscore Kenneke on, on Twitter. Um, I got a link tree out there somewhere that has a bunch of stuff. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash at Chasey K plays to find my YouTube channel where I am currently playing through Steamworld Heist, a, a very good video game. And uh, you can also check out uh, some other podcasts that I do with my friends Bobby and Johnny. And you can see that at the Casual Hour. We talk about video games there. Um Go to thecasualhour.com and find uh, the, the stuff that we stream, the, the stuff that we record. Uh, we do some quick look kind of stuff uh, for, for new video games. Lots of good stuff out there. Pierce, it's time for your plugs. I know you plug, uh, plug some music. What's your music recommendation this time? Yeah, my music recommendation this episode is a band called Slow Mosa, and they have a self-titled album you know, called Slow Mosa. They are a desert rock band from Norway. No, 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 stop. Uh, What is kind of like no, 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 no. You explain this to me. What is desert rock, Pierce? So desert rock was never heard of this genre before. Queens of the Stone Age, coming out of uh, Palm Springs in California, and Mm -hmm. it's usually very bluesy, heavy riffs, a little druggy. Um, Bands like Yawning Man. Uh, Queens of Stone Age, uh, Slow Mosa. I'm trying to think of another one that is like that, but I can't. Uh, other than Queens of the Stone Age, I think you made up all these other band names. I, I don't. You there, you have an amazing ability to catalog so much music. I guess, I guess I have this for video games. So it's yeah. other different people have their things. You you recently put out a list. It's not a public list, uh, so I don't want to blow up your spot. But you put out the like Pierce's favorite things, like Oprah. Uh, mm-hmm. You you send it to your, <laughs> your the uh, the fawning masses. Uh, I spent five hundred dollars of one hundred and eighty gram vinyl and sent it <laughs> all to you. Um, but I I looked at this list where you had like favorite albums and favorite songs, and I was impressed with myself that I knew like three of them. <laughs> like of of like the twenty five you had, I'm like, hey, I know that I know that Taylor Swift woman. <laughs> I like Taylor like in Swift. one song, and it's a good song. I, I like the song for sure. Uh, but yeah, it was like so many things. Like I just think you made made this shit up. Uh, Listen, if you want bluesy rockers to like drive down a highway at night to uh-huh. slow Mos- slow mosa is your band so but why <laughs> why why call it desert rock 
Couldn't you just call it blues? Because of or, uh, because of Queens of Stone Age and because of Yawning Man uh, before them. Like that whole scene originated out of Palm Springs, California. Okay. And so so it, so that's really it originated the, from the desert. Yeah. It's more about a geographical thing than rather than we're yeah, getting I mean, sounds uh, of the desert. <laughs> yeah, putting this music to like a, a desert view is probably. Mm-hmm it probably doesn't link up all that well, but music's abstract. So I guess sure. like once you hear yes. it and you say, and you, and, and I give you the, the suggestion that it is desert rock, you might look at it or listen to it and be like, okay, I can see the cacti, cacti and, you know, rolling hills and <laughs> long highways. With no one on it. Okay. I, do you just mean that songs you should listen to while on peyote? Is, is that what you really probably. mean? I've never done peyote, but I'm sure. <laughs> Neither have I. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, this is not the forum for this, but I think uh, I think having a conversation about what genre means, uh, like I I know from a video game perspective, like genre means jack shit these days. It means jack. There's shit. so many games that are just yeah, it's an RPG because like you puts a stat some stats in it, but like this is not an RPG. It's a first person shooter that just has stats, and I could also see music being very similar with. I don't know, man. Like, if we play it with this style of guitar and we have a lyric that, uh, you know, talks about these kinds of things and somebody just says it in a deep voice, you know, fuck it. That's a genre. We'll just we'll just make up our own genre I mean, and call it that. Like, whatever. Here's what I think of genre. And we are way off topic. And we're trying yeah. to wrap this up. Uh, is that they are useful shortcuts for other people who consume a lot of whatever you're talking, talking about at that time. Mm. So you and I can get into that language of video games and you can say like a bunch of buzzwords if you say a roguelike deck builder um with a pixel art style like we know what that is immediately but if someone who is outside of that culture doesn't know what that means and yeah that game that we're describing probably has lots of other elements of different genres within it yeah, uh, you're right, and and when it comes to like more of an algorithmically cataloged thing, and I think you to bring this somewhat back around, you see this with television shows as well. Like some, you'll see shows that are labeled as comedies or romantic comedies, and you right. you look at that and go like, mm, that's that's not really a rom com, uh, but I guess you could call it that. Netflix specifically does this, like. Netflix has their hyper specific genre suggestions that are ridiculous of like female leads of uh, shows that were were recorded on a Thursday uh, about (laughs) Christmas. And it's like, wow, somehow you found four films that that are about this. Um, It's all it's all bullshit. You see it with sports stats, too, of of like, oh, they're really good on artificial turf when they're in a way team. You're like, fuck (laughs) off. (laughs) None of this means anything. Um I think it's interesting, though, that you also have uh, a bunch of people out there, artists specifically, that don't want to be put in a box. Right. And so the idea of, like, man, don't call this a genre. It's just what I, it's just the music that I play. The genre is my music. I, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Yeah. And and it's it's people like you and me and the critics out there that go, oh, well, you know, it's that kind of guitar and that kind of this. I think it's actually this genre now. And, and that's that, that shortcut that... Uh, you know, anyway, let's end the show. How's that sound? Let's end the show. This was a 20 minute uh, episode and this episode, this in living color is 20 minutes. And this episode yeah. is going to be like an hour and 10 minutes yeah. at this point. Yeah. Well, Hey, at least we didn't act out the whole episode. That, that was probably, right. probably a good call. End it. Um, looking forward to blue blazes. Catch you guys next time. Uh, we're out. See ya. Peace. 
Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like On Jupiter and Mars In other words Hold my hand In other words Baby, kiss me Fill my heart with song And let me sing forevermore You are all I long for All I worship and adore In other words Please be true In other words 